Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. I just want to thank the congregation for this opportunity. This is a great opportunity for me. I am truly grateful to be in front of you guys speaking the word of the Lord this morning. So thank you. Thank you. Um, it's God's faithfulness that, that he brings us to the places that we are, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit more today. Pat mentioned it. I'm going to mention that earlier, or later here today, too. So if you would, would you pray with me um, to, to start? Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to hear your word, to listen to what it says, but more importantly, to look and consider what it has to say for us today. Lord, we just pray that my words would be your words, that people would hear what you want them to hear, and may it encourage us to be more faithful in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today's, the title of today's message is, We Are God's Ever-Growing People. And the subtitle of, that, of the message is, Look to Jesus. Okay, we're going to be, we're going to be uh, looking at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And we're going to be jumping back to this scripture uh, throughout the morning. So if you want to keep your finger in your Bible there. Um, but we are starting in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So this morning, I want to kind of zero in on the word look. Um, for probably the past year, I've been, I've been looking at this word more closely in Scripture, and, and some of what I'm sharing with you today is just all the things that I've noticed throughout Scriptures. Uh, so we're, we're zeroing in on that word look today. Now, some of you remember that the last message that I did in Ephesians 2 I encouraged you to look backwards, look upwards, and look forward. So I guess the subtitle of this message would be, take a second look, <laughs> okay? Um, we're going to look around, we're going to look inside, and we're going to look to Jesus, okay? So I'm going to briefly go on points one and two. I want to spend most of our time on point three, uh, look to Jesus. So first, first one. Look around. Look around. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The author of Hebrews here is, is saying, look how the saints endured, right? He's talking about people like Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, Joseph, Esther, Mary, Peter, Paul, Timothy, and that's just to name a few, right? These are all examples of faith in the Bible. We have so many examples in Scripture to look at. 
So I encourage you to look around the scriptures. Look around and see what God has to show you. But it, I, I was so encouraged by the fact that Pat was up here this morning and shared um, about looking around to the people around us. <laughs> it, it fits perfectly. There are a lot of people that have gone through some great things but have, are an example of faith to us. So we need to look at scriptures, but we also need to look around us. If we are looking, we will find stories of faith around us today by looking to your left and looking to your right. You know, I have a really good friend um, who I respect ex- just very much, okay? He is far from being a perfect person. In fact, he's actually been arrested for DUI um, and, and is, uh, again, has had some trouble in his life. He's had some trials. But he has now been sober for about 10 years, and he is a devoted follower to Christ. He, uh, he is currently serving in his church faithfully, and he actually started an organization called Found Hope, which what he did was he decided he took some of his own money and asked other people for donations, and he bought a house that people who are recovering can stay at this house as long as they're in rehab and, and going through uh, the program, and, and they have a weekly Bible study and stuff. They can stay there for a low amount of rent until they can get back on their feet. So he does this because of what Jesus has done for him. And by watching, by me seeing, by looking at what he's doing, and seeing how God is blessing his ministry, it, he's using it to bring people to the Lord, and it influences me to want to join in, to want to help others. So look around. Who are the people in your life that tend to influence you? In a message I shared with you a couple of years ago, I, I shared what we focus on, we tend to magnify, right? Now, Jason talked about this this morning and last week, and he encouraged, encouraged us to focus on Christ. He alone is what we boast in. You know, in a similar way, in what we, in all that we look to, and what we look to often shapes who we are. We all desire to grow in who we are, don't we? You know, it's, it's, some, it's why a lot of us uh, do New Year's res- resolutions every year and stuff. Did you also know that the self-help book industry is worth almost $10 billion a year? That's incredible. That's incredible. We, we do want to, to be better at what we are, at, at who we are. Uh, you know, what are people really looking for? Are they looking for wisdom or knowledge or purpose, fulfillment, maybe fun? But whatever they begin to look for and look at and they start to do tends to shape them as a person, okay? They're trying to answer the question, who am I? And this question is at the heart of our series um, that we're doing right now. Who are we? When somebody discovers who they are, it tends to give direction and purpose 
to the things that they do. When a child discovers that they're artistic, right, they, they start drawing things uh, on uh, pieces of paper, you know, notes that they have, they tend to doodle on the edges and that sort of thing, they often grow up to be a very creative, artistic person. Businesses, think about businesses for a second. They have mission statements, right? It guides and directs what they do. It's a written visual reminder that's meant to become the culture of the organization. Our mission statement here at the church says this, we are to love God, to love others. Our mission is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. Right? I love the fact that Misha was up here this morning. And stuff. We are fulfilling our mission. It's a, it's a written statement that keeps it in the forefront of our vision and stuff. We are, are helping people like Aleka and Ruhu, and it is evidence that we are focusing on our mission and acting on it. We are reaching the world for Christ. Now, in the first week of this sermon series, we were reminded that we are God's people, right? Seeing that we are God's people gives us the desire to live as if we are a chosen people called out of darkness and into the light. In week two, Mark talked about uh, being a part of the body of Christ, and knowing that we are a part of the body of Christ helps us to want to do our part in the body, in the church, right? As we discover that we are loved unconditionally, we begin to unconditionally love others. When we are forgiven, we forgive. As we discover we are God's children, as Jason talked about, we, we begin to live as God's children and know that we are loved by, by the Father. When we have a clear picture of who we are, it often shapes who we are. So, what I hope to do this morning is to give us our focus point, right? If we are to be God's ever-growing people, we need to look to Jesus. As Christians, who we are is rooted in who Jesus is. If we are God's ever-growing people, we must be connected to the source. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Who we are and what we do flows from who Jesus is. How do we grow in Jesus? We look to him. Now, God even gives us examples of this in nature, okay? Take the sunflower, for instance, or daisies or marigolds. They actually turn throughout the day to look at the sun, and it gives them the power to grow. There was an experiment done one time that, that they actually took a sunflower and tied it up so that it couldn't move, and it, it was not allowed to to face the sun throughout the day and stuff. And, and at the end of that experiment, there was a big difference between the sunflowers that could look at the sun all day and the one that was not able to look at the sun all day. It didn't grow as much as the one that was looking at the sun. There is power in a look. There's power in a look. Now let me give you some real-life examples, okay? Um, and I think some of these will, will maybe help us to understand that there is power 
in a look. All right, for example, you husbands out there, okay? <laughs> You're walking through the kitchen, and you spot that newly baked piece of pie or cake on the counter. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, man. You know, you go grab a knife, and you're getting ready to, to go over to that pie, and you give one last look around, and your wife is standing there, and she's giving you a look, right? She's giving you a look. You know what she's saying, don't you? <laughs> you know what she's saying. She's saying, I just spent all day shopping for those ingredients, uh, putting all those ingredients together, baking a cake, putting it in the oven, making it just perfect, cleaning all the dishes afterwards. Don't you even dare touch that cake or pie, right? <laughs> you didn't have to ask her what she was saying. You knew there is power in a look. Um, how about any of you children out there in church today? Do you guys know what your parents are telling you when they give you certain looks? There is power in a look. All right. But this is a little different one, but are there any love at first sight couples out there today? Anybody? Okay. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> There's at least one, at least, actually at least two. My wife and I actually were at an Indiana high school football game, and she was with some of her friends, and I was with some of my friends, and we were coming around the end zone of the high school football game, and, and our friends, uh, you know, we had mutual friends and stuff, so we stopped and talked for quite a while and things, and, and as soon as I left, I didn't know this at the time, but as soon as I left, she, she looked and turned to her friends and said, that's the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> There is power in a look. We've been married, happily married, for 24 years. So I think you probably get the idea by now, or you're getting the idea. I'm going to give you one last one. I, I want to embarrass my daughter. Um, for those of you that know Amaris, okay, if you—I I don't know what it is, but every once in a while, she'll just give you a look. Uh, you know, some—I don't know what it is, but it just brings a smile to your face. It brings joy into your life. I don't, it, it, it's odd. I don't know. She'll just stop and look at you, and it brings joy. There is power in a look. Now, I want you to know and understand that looking is different than just seeing, right? We see things all of the, all of the time, but think nothing of them. For example, on your way into church this morning, did anyone notice a verse above the sanctuary doors when they came in. Okay, we've got a few. Good. Raise your hands. Okay, of those of you that noticed there was a door, how many of you looked at it and considered it? A couple of you? Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad. Um, the verse above those doors, and again, this is an example. Sometimes we see things, we don't even look at them. We don't consider them. We don't move past just, just seeing them in front of us. That verse is Proverbs 24, 32, and it says this, Then I saw and considered it. I looked, and I received instruction. You know, what makes us notice things? We have certain things that seem to draw us to notice them. What is drawing your attention? 
realize that looking means considering what you see. You begin to think about it. What is it like? Where does it come from? What does it mean? One way to consider what is influencing you is by looking inside. Proverbs 24, 32 says, Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. And received instruction. Looking teaches us things from, from looking at them. Okay? Are you willing to learn? So look around. But also, I want us to look inside and see what that has to teach us. Okay? Hebrews 12.1, back to the first part of this verse. Let us also lay aside every weight. What is weighing you down today? Is it your job, a relationship, maybe a physical situation, your worry? If you are first seeking relief from anything, uh, any of these things other than Jesus Christ, you are looking in the wrong place. Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We have to be honest that God doesn't always answer our, our prayers in the way that we expect or the way that we want. This verse doesn't say, come to me and I will make your problems go away, right? It says, I will give you rest. The Lord can give you rest even in the midst of trials. He can give you peace. And sometimes we even grow through bearing these trials. We can grow. But it's also to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Look inside. Sin is close. Really look inside at your life and take an honest evaluation of what, may, uh, what you may be looking at in a sinful way. Is it your work? Your possessions? Social media? Is it pornography? Is it drugs? Is it money? Is it relationships? First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, it's interesting. I was, I was visiting with a family this week, and they were telling me this story, <laughs> which is so applicable to what we're, we're doing this morning. They have uh, a drawer that they keep candy in all the time. It's just, a, it's just a drawer. And the kids can go and, and grab a piece of candy or whatever and, and, and take it whenever they want, okay? And usually this candy lasts them a pretty long time. Well, one day, this, uh, they had gotten a bunch of candy at work, and they, they brought it home. They put it in a jar, and they put it on the kitchen counter. Well, after a day or two, the candy was like disappearing like crazy. And they were wondering, what in the world is going on with this, this candy and stuff? And so they gathered their kids together, and they asked their kids, why are you guys eating so much candy? 
And you know what their response was? I can see it. I can see it. In this example, they were, what they were looking at influenced their desires. It influenced them enough to change their behavior. Just like earlier, we, we talked about we have examples of, of faith and people in our lives that we, that we look at that tend to influence us and motivate us in a positive way. We can also think of people and things that we look at that influence us in a negative way. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which king, uh, clings so closely. What is it that you may need to lay aside? You know, laying, laying it aside means taking it out from in front of you and putting it to the side where you can't see it. Okay? Take it out of your view. Psalm 119.37 says this, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Looking inside can help us be God's ever-growing people. There is power in a look. Which brings us to our last point, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on this one. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.18 encourages us to look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. What is your heart telling you this morning? Do you have a sense that there is more to Jesus than, uh, than what you've been seeing, or there's more to discover? Let's take a closer look, okay? Hebrews 12, going to verse 2, it says, looking, there it is, there's that word, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was the founder. And we can know this because of even prophecies in the Bible that we see, okay? Things that were written, written long before Jesus ever lived. Jason mentioned that this morning um, during communion about him being pierced. We're going to look at another verse um, about that as well. But Jesus is the, the founder. Only the author of a story can know the events of the story before it is written, right? John 19.37 reminds us of one of the prophecies that, that came true. We're going to look at this one a little closer. It comes from Zechariah 12.10, and it says this. And again, another scripture says that they will look on him who they have pierced. They will look on him whom they have pierced. Now remember, this was written long before Jesus was ever born, right? This scripture was obviously true for the people that stood around the cross that day. It was true for the Jews that stood around the cross. It was true for the disciples. It was true for Jesus' family. It was true for the Roman soldiers. It was true for the people that were there, standing, looking at Jesus on the cross. But this scripture is also true 
for you and I today. We are to look at Jesus, the one whom they have pierced. Okay. So I want to do something a little different this morning. I want you to kind of imagine that, that you are looking at Jesus on the cross. I want to remind you of a familiar verse. I'm going to read this verse in a second. But I don't want you to just hear it this morning. I want you to imagine it, okay? Um, imagine that you are standing at the foot of the cross, and you are looking up to the one that they have pierced. Now, I know it might be dangerous, but if you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes if it gives you a better picture um, <laughs> and things. But this early in the morning, we don't want people falling asleep. But at the same time, I want you to really focus. I want you to imagine Jesus at the foot. Uh, imagine yourself standing in the crowd, looking at Jesus. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Okay, you can open your eyes. Seeing him up on that cross does it help you to believe in him, believe in Jesus, and understand what he did for you? When you look at him on the cross, do you see that you were chosen, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that he loves you as a father loves his child? Because of the blood that he shed on the cross for our sins, we are declared righteous when we believe in faith and what he has accomplished. Look to him. This was a part of God's plan from the beginning. Let's just back up two verses from John 3.16 to John 3.14, okay? And it says this, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So what does it mean there? And some of you, I'm sure, have heard this story before, but what does it mean there when Moses lifted up the serpent? Okay, you see in the book of Numbers chapter 9, when we find the story of Moses and the Israelites, they're out in the desert, and they, the people of Israel begin speaking against God and against Moses. And they're basically rebelling from, from what the Lord is doing uh, or trying to do in their lives. And, and so the Lord sends snakes to start biting the people. Um, but we find out in verse 8 that the Lord provides a way out for them. Whoever sees—I'm uh, sorry. Who, uh, so Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, Right? If a serpent bit anyone, they would look at the bronze serpent and live. In this story and many other Old Testament stories, we find what God was planning to do all along. Right? In the same way that God provided a way for Israelites to escape their sin, the story was a foreshadowing of a way that we can escape our sin. 
Again, this is not just a story of Moses and the Israelites. It's a story for you and I. We are to look at Jesus raised on a pole, the cross, and look at him and believe in him for salvation. John 6, 40 says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So as I mentioned earlier, looking implies a deeper connection. You consider what you see. You think about it. The Israelites would have connected looking with salvation. Freedom from their sins by looking to the Lord to save them. I also want you to realize that looking can be a two-way street, right? Just as in the examples that I shared with you earlier this morning between husbands and wives looking at each other, looking goes both ways. When we look at God, he is looking at us, and actually he was looking at us long before we ever looked at him. Psalm 102, verse 19 and 20 tells us that he looked down from his holy height from heaven. The Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who are doomed to die. I want each of you to know this morning that God hears the groans of your heart, your problems. He knows your struggles. He knows your pain. He is here to set you free from the prisons that you are in. He knows what you've been through. He knows who you are and what you have done. You know, there may even be people here this morning that that don't feel like they're even worthy to look at the Lord because of your past, because of something that you've been through, something that you've done. If that's you here this morning, I want you to know that you're not alone. Even pillars of the faith have their own struggles in life. Nobody's perfect. Guilt and shame can separate people from the Lord in their own hearts. They often draw back because they feel disqualified unrighteous, and condemned. But God says to you what he says, said to Israel in Jeremiah 31.3, I've never quit loving you. I've never quit loving you. Let's take a closer look at the story of Peter. Peter is a very familiar story that we're, we're <laughs> obviously grew up knowing. But even Peter struggled, Right? We read in Luke chapter 22, I like Luke's version of it, um, the familiar, it's the familiar story of how Jesus, or I'm sorry, the familiar story of how Peter denies Jesus three times, right? It's a familiar story, but let's take a closer look. Verse 61 tells us this, okay, and here's that word again. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. What kind of look do you think that was that Jesus gave Peter? Think about it for just a second. I don't believe that it was a look of disgust or of condemnation or even of, I told you so. I believe that it was a look of love, of understanding. 
It was a look of, I know you, Peter, better than you know yourself. I told you that you would deny me three times, and you did. So put your trust in me, Peter. I know that one day you will become a great apostle. I know that you will do miracles that you didn't even think that you were capable of. I believe that was the look that Jesus gave Peter. And it's also the look that Jesus is giving you this morning. He's saying to you, put your trust in me. I know you. Look to me. Mark 10 verse 27 has been a favorite verse of mine lately. And here we find it again. Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Do you believe that all things are possible? Look this morning at the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and understand that all things are possible with God. Look at all the stories of hope in the Bible that we talked about earlier. Look around. Look at all the people that have stories of hope in this room. Look at the things that God has done through all of them, the miracles that he's performed. Look at all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Did you know that there were over 300 prophecies that, that came true about Jesus from scriptures? Do you understand the odds of this happening? It is humanly impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. He, he healed the sick. Jesus made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He made the lepers clean. He raised the dead to life, and he for, can forgive you of your sins. Look to Jesus. Take a closer look at the resurrection itself. Look at how the impossible becomes possible. He was dead and became alive. He rolled the stone away. He left linen cloths behind neatly folded up. He got past guards that would lose their lives if he escaped. He was physically touched by those who doubted him. He was seen by over 500 witnesses. He talked with the disciples. And even other dead people came to life. Many other things as well. If we look at the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, John chapter 21 verse 25 tells us how there are so many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself cannot contain the book's that would be written. Look to Jesus and know that he has the power to change your life. Nothing is impossible if you look to him. Jesus wants you to come. I want to share with you a, a quick story. There once was an old man that lived on a hill that overlooks the ocean. At the bottom of the hill was a public campground where people would come to pitch their tents, hike along the beach, and play in the surf. One day, the old man was looking out, out the ocean, to the ocean from his window when he noticed a huge tidal wave bearing down on the campground. 
He knew that the people that occupied the campground below were doomed. He had no phone or no other way to warn them from his hillside perch. He knew that if he attempted to run down to the campground, by the time he got there, he would be wiped out too. So there was only one thing to do. He grabbed a book of matches, and he set his house on fire. Within minutes, the people in the campground noticed the smoke from the fire and rushed up the hill to try to save the man. And just as the campers made it to the top of the tidal, or made it to the top, the tidal wave reached land and completely destroyed the campground and everything in it. But the people were saved. The man on the hill sacrificed his home to save the lives of the people below. There was no other way. Jesus did so much more than that for each of us. So much more when he sacrificed his own son on our behalf. There was no other way. Just as the fire on the hill drew people away from death and destruction of the tidal wave, so Jesus on the cross draws us away. It draws people away from their lives of sin. John 12, 32 says this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Is God drawing you this morning? When we look to Jesus, we put our trust and faith in him. We escape the death and destruction of sin. For those of you who have already put your faith in in Jesus Christ, you've put your trust in him to save us. It changes us, doesn't it? It changes us when we look at Jesus. I want to close. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. As they're coming up, if there are, I want you to get those pieces of paper ready for a second. And if there are pieces of paper that are empty, maybe some of the kids, if you want to, to go ahead and grab a couple of those and hand them out to people, if any of you are willing to, to jump around, because I know that there's a bunch in some em- empty seats. But I want you to grab onto those for a second, okay? I want to look at one last example. I want to look at, at Moses. How did God change Moses? Right? We look at Hebrews 11, 25, and 26, and it tells us this about Moses. It says, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses could have had the treasures of Egypt. He could have had the easy life. He could have had anything that he wanted in the world, but he chose to be mistreated and follow whatever God had in store for him. He had his eyes fixed on God and looked at the eternal rewards of following him, and it changed his life. If we are to be God's ever-growing people, We need to look to Jesus. I want to close by giving us a bigger picture, picture of who we are in Christ. 
when we look at Jesus and what he has accomplished for us on the, on the cross, we learn who we are. I pulled these, this, these following statements from the internet, but they're all from Scripture. Okay? They're all pulled out of Scripture, and they can be said because of who Jesus is and what his word says about us. It says, Therefore, I will declare his truth concerning me. I am the head and not the tail. I am a victor, not a victim. I am strong and not weak. I am a saint, not a sinner. I am a child of God, not a child of the devil. I am free, not a slave to sin. I am clean, not dirty. I am above and not below. I am whole, not broken and bruised. I am rich, not poor. I am wise, not ignorant. I am adopted, not abandoned. I am strong, not weak. I am kept by the power of God. I am able, not disabled. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am a warrior, not a wimp. I can do all things who Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. I am safe and secure, kept in the palm of his hand. He that began a good work in me will perform it until the day Jesus comes again. I am a temple of God. I am indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit. I am a vessel sanctified and ready for the master's use. Amen. Amen. Right? All of these statements are rooted in who Jesus is and what he accomplishes in us when we give our life to him. If you have one of those papers on your chair this morning, I want you to hold it up. I want you to hold them up. Look around for a second. I know it's hard to read them. And there's actually many, many more than this. My, my fingers actually got tired typing. <laughs> and, I had, and I was actually stopped. But if you look at those, you can look at a, at least a few that are around you. We are all of this and more. Look at what he accomplishes in us. Matthew 6.33, and I'm going to leave you with this verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We are God's ever-growing people when we look to Jesus. There is power in a look. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to turn our eyes to you. Help us to, to just see you for all that you have done for us. Lord, when we face trials, when we go through things in life, I pray that you would remind us to look to you. Keep you as our focus. Lay aside the things that would distract us, that would weigh us down, the sin that clings so closely. Father, I pray that you would help us to lay it aside. Look to you and help us to be your ever-growing people until the day that you make us perfect when we meet you face to face. 
Lord, encourage us in this and give us the power to become the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.